Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Today, I want to ask if you would please uh, join me in the book of Hebrews. And let's look at Hebrews chapter 10. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 10. And let's begin in verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Did you know you have that access? Do you, in a cognizant, I mean, a, a, a steady thought, I mean, a, a convinced perception, see yourself as able to walk into the presence of God? It says we have boldness to enter into the holiest. Now, anybody who's ever read in the Old Testament how they had the Old Testament tabernacle set up, we know that the holiest was a set-apart part of the tabernacle. It wasn't anything that the random person could just stroll into. Amen. Only one person entered into the holiest, yeah. the high priest. And he didn't go on a whim. He didn't go whenever he felt like it. He only went once a year, and he didn't go unless he had the blood. We know also from the book of Hebrews that it says, he entered in not without blood. So he couldn't go in on his own. He couldn't go in uh, to approach God in that way uh, without the covering of the blood. In the Old Testament, the blood wasn't the same blood you and I have access to. In the Old Testament, it was a temporary solution using the blood of animals, of bulls and goats and lambs and sheep. And so it was a blood that only covered their sins. It didn't cleanse their sins. It didn't remove their sins. It just covered their sins so that they could fellowship with God. And then at the, the uh, pouring out of Jesus' blood, things changed. And it says, we have access to enter into the holiest where only the high priest could go before, you can go now. You can go into a place that used to be cut off. It used to be separated. It used to be something that was only accessible uh, to certain people. But now you are one of those certain people. There is an access, an entry point, a relationship with God available to us, and the blood of Jesus is what provided that access, that entry point. So because you need to enter into God's presence every day of your life, 
You don't want to ever be in a position where you say, I can't enter into the presence of God. I'm not fit to enter into the presence of God. So you need to have faith in the blood so that you always know how to get in the door. Faith in the blood is what allows you that boldness. You can't have this because this boldness is another word for faith. It's confidence. This boldness, this confidence, this assurance. It says, therefore, brethren, having boldness. How do we get that boldness? How do I have that confidence to enter? Having boldness, how? By the blood of Jesus. And then it says, verse 20, by a new and living way. That's what we have. We have a new, a new avenue to the Father. We have a new door to Jesus that I am the door. I am the way. I am the truth. And so we have this, and because we have it, there should be a boldness. So if we're ever feeling, and I'm, I'm going to say that feeling with the, the proverbial air quotes, if you're feeling like you can't go to God about something, then go to the blood. Go to the blood and, and go back to what you know about the blood. The blood will cleanse me. And whatever is causing me this sense of condemnation, only the blood can purge it. Amen. He said, how, it said, if the blood of bulls and goats could purge the conscience of the Old Testament saints, and that's in chapter uh, uh, 9, Go just back up one page or so to chapter nine and look at verse 13. It said, if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ purge your conscience? I'm gonna pull that other phrase out because I wanna see the verb here. How much more shall the blood of Christ purge? That's what the blood does. It purges your conscience. And without the purging of, of this blood, without the blood cleansing your conscience, that sense of condemnation might stick on a person who loves God, a person who's walking in the word. But because they haven't ever dealt with that sense of condemnation, they, they have it like a filter over their perception and everything they hear from the word comes through that condemnation filter. And so it says you've got to use the blood to purge your conscience so that you can serve God without that coming in between you and God, without that obstacle. And so this blood, having faith in the blood or confidence in the blood, we need to know what the blood does and how we interact with it. How do we access it? So look with me at Ephesians 2. And let's begin at verse 13, because this is your lifeline. He said it's a new and a living way. He said this is the boldness to enter. How do I have boldness to enter into the presence of God? And I need to enter into the presence of God. It says that's where I obtain help. That's where I get grace. That's where I get God's provision and his help. Not based on my merit, but based on his goodness. And why? Because I come by the blood. I'm not coming by how good I've been. 
and I'm good just because I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do righteous things just because he made me righteous, not to try to please him by, by doing. I, I don't try to read enough to please God out of the Bible. I don't try to quote enough scriptures to please God. I don't try to attend church enough to please God. I do those things because that's what keeps me healthy. <laughs> and just like I pull up and I eat at the table because that's what's going to provide food for my body right? And so I pull up at the table of God's word because that's what's going to provide food for my spirit. But I'm not saying, okay, God, I'm going to read enough till you're happy with me because he's happy with me through the blood. And my, my righteous living is going to come as a, a, a byproduct or that which is produced by my relationship with him. I I don't sin because I don't want to (laughs) sin. I love God and he loves me and I want to walk in his best and I don't want what sin has done in my past. I don't want it to do that anymore in my life. So I avoid it, right? But I'm, I'm, my, my motive is I'm feeding on the word because I love God and I want his word to, to abide in me. I'm, I'm attending church because I love God and I love his people. Amen. He said, how can you say you love God, but you don't love your, the, his, his children, yeah. right? And so he, this, this doing of the word is a byproduct of my relationship with him. I, uh, I am, I'm acceptable by the blood. I'm cleansed by the blood. I'm made right with God by the blood. And that's where it stops. That's where I don't need to add anything to it. Well, it's by the blood and if I do this. It's by the blood and, right? No, the blood of Jesus has done enough. What more could I do to add to what he has done? His blood made me the righteousness of God. Made me, not gave me. It's something I am, not something I have. I don't have righteousness in my pocket. I don't have righteousness by measure where I'm running low on it. No, I am. He has made me. He became sin. And I became righteous when he became sin for me. So I, what, what could I add to that? What more can I do to better that? Well, yeah, Jesus made me righteous, but I have read 22 chapters today. And, and I, so, yeah, Jesus made me righteous, but my 22 chapter day really put it over the top for God. And God said, "Woo, girl, look at yourself, 22 chapters. No, he says, look at who you are in Christ. Look at who you are because you believe in Jesus, that he became sin for you. That's, that's, the, that's the point. It's his blood. It's his blood. So we've got to have faith in his blood. That's where our entry point is. That's where our boldness comes from. That's where my confidence is. It's what his blood has done for me. So Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, is that where you are? If any man be in Christ? And so we know where we are now. We know our geographical position. We know our GPS coordinates. We are in Christ. Say that with me. I am in Christ. So if you found yourself on the map at the mall and it says you are here and you're trying to, you look for the shoe store, right? 
got to find the shoe store. And, and so you say, well, this is where I am and this is where I want to go. Or you got to find out where you are. You are in Christ. And so everything you do in your life, you first go to the map and you find yourself in Christ and you, that, then you can put the dots together and you can say, this is what I want to have. This is where I want to go. So I've got to find my place in Christ so I know how to get there. So in Christ, it says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes, or you could say in the past, you were far off, you were separated. Uh, The previous verse said strangers from the covenants of promise. So it's talking about this relationship. You who were disconnected from the relationship, now you are made near. Say that out loud. I am made near. Made near. How am I made near? How am I connected? By the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is what has sealed this covenant between God and I. The blood of Jesus is what is the basis of my relationship with God. I am cleansed by the blood. I am justified by the blood. I am righteous by what he has done. So the blood of Jesus, again, we see it is the way to draw near to God. By the blood, you are made near to God, to his covenant and everything his covenant provides for us. So what do we need to do? We need to wash in the blood. We need to reverence the work that the blood accomplishes in us. And we need to have faith in what it took to shed that blood. That's how we establish this this relationship with the blood. I interact with it. How do I interact with it? I wash in it. If I come, if I have areas in my life that I have I've gotten off course, right? I come to the blood. And he is faithful and just to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. And because we're still in this flesh and blood body, we're going to have opportunities that we need to know. So repentance is your friend. Repentance is one of the greatest things you can be skilled at. Be quick to repent. Quick to repent. Because this is our approach to the Father. And so washing in the blood, reverencing the work that the blood accomplishes in you. You know, my blood's working in my body right now. It's delivering the nutrients from my breakfast to, to, to my brain, to my hair, to my bones, to my ligaments, to my joints. They're all benefiting. My whole body is benefiting by the blood. What my blood personally is doing in my body. Well, the interaction that you and I have with the blood is not a one-time interaction with the blood. We need to know what the blood, how we interacted, have that, have that reverence for the work that the blood is accomplishing in me. The Bible says in Leviticus 17, and uh, let me see if I can find my exact scripture here. Leviticus 17, I think it's 11. It is. Leviticus 17, 11, look at it. That the life is in the blood. 
See, they, they, God was explaining to them why, we, why we're putting blood on the altar. Why, why the blood? What is it about the blood that it was used as a temporary solution, the blood of animals in the Old Testament, and the blood of Jesus as a permanent solution? Why the blood? What is it about the way God created the blood? He said, the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. So this is how God established it. This is, this is established from the beginning of time. God established the blood. The life is in the blood. So when the animal's blood was placed on the altar, it was the life of that animal given. It was the life of that innocent animal. That innocent animal sacrificed to cover the life of the one who wasn't innocent, the one who was guilty. And so he said, it's the, it's the blood that makes the atonement. And again, we are looking from our position in Christ. We're looking from this second covenant because in the, the Old Testament, the first Testament, it was, a, it was an atonement, a covering. So we could say, it's the blood that makes the cleansing. It's the blood that washes us clean. And it's on what? The altar. It's placed upon the altar. And it was very interesting. They would take the blood and they would sanctify the altar first. And they would put the blood on the altar and they would do that for a number of days. And they would, now he says, everything that touches the altar shall be made holy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everything that touches the altar is then made holy. Look at, at let me show it to you in, in uh, Exodus. Let's see if it's 29:37. I'm just following the Holy Spirit because I knew what the assignment he wanted, the, the, the target he wants to hit, but I'm uh, following him in the way that we get there. Exodus 29:37. Seven days you shall make an atonement for the altar and sanctify it, and it shall be an altar most holy. Whatever touches the altar shall be holy. So that means every sacrifice they brought and placed on the altar, it became a holy sacrifice, a set-apart sacrifice. How did that happen? Because the blood that was placed on the altar made the altar holy, and everything that is placed on that altar is then made holy. Hallelujah. And, and that means something to us because Hebrews 13.10 says we have an altar. We have an altar. We have an altar. Hallelujah. We have an altar where we can go and we can place our lives we can, we can place our lives and our lives become holy, set-apart lives. We can place our family. We can place our, our desires. We can put our, our commitment to the Lord. We can touch that altar and we're made holy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why? Because the blood has sanctified that altar for us. The blood of Jesus. And so this interaction with the blood is the redemption of our lives. This interaction with the blood is the focus of our approach to God. And before we go much further, I want to go on over and I want to see uh, Revelations 1. 
There's three places in Revelations that we need to look at. Revelation 1, verse 5 and 6. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead. Hallelujah. First, first begotten or firstborn from the dead. Hallelujah. He was raised to life. And the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us, not covered, washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests unto God and his father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. We recognize the central focus of worship in heaven, how Jesus is identified and how he is glorified and how he is worshiped. He is worshiped as the one who washed us in his own blood. That's an appropriate way for you to worship him. That's, that's something for you to, to constantly, I thank you, Jesus, you've washed me in your blood. I worship you for being the one who shed your blood to wash my sins away. And every time you worship in, in that cleansing, every time you worship, you are solidifying, you are strengthening your confidence, you are strengthening your faith in the cleansing power that that blood is working in you. You have washed me in your blood. Now you see yourself clean. Why? Because the blood, you have faith in the blood. You have honor for the blood. You recognize that the blood of Jesus is different from any other blood that has ever existed on the, in the entire universe. Amen. There's no other blood compares to the blood that Jesus has. It's no longer in his body, but it's now on the altar of God. It's on the mercy seat in heaven, but it's still Jesus' blood, and it's never dried up. It's never coagulated. It's never lost its power. The blood of Jesus is still speaking. It is still working for us. It is still available by our faith. By our faith, we can access that blood and let it work in us. So listen, the life is in the blood. The life is in the blood. How many of you want the life of Jesus working in you? Well, he, he, you're alive with his life, but when you come to an area in your own character where you say, I want that to change. I want to be more patient with people. I don't want to be so snippety. I don't want to be critical or I don't want to be, be whatever it is that you're trying to bring that up to the life of God. Apply the blood to it. The life is in the blood. So, Lord, I access the blood of Jesus to help me love my wife, honor my husband, help me be patient with my children, those teenagers. Help me, Lord, right? I need the blood. I apply the blood because the life of Jesus is in the blood and his life would help me in this situation. So, worship him. It says... He washed us from our sins. Now let's also look at the song that we see in Revelations chapter 
five, it's the song of the redeemed. I'm so glad that John was in the spirit on the Lord's day. I'm so glad that he stepped over into that place in his uh, prayer time that day that he could see glimpses of things happening in heaven and bring to us an understanding of what worship looks like in heaven. Because, you know, a lot of us, we've got, we've got ideas of what worship looks like in the way that we've been, you know, in church or whatever. But what does worship look like in heaven? What, how, how do they act in heaven? Well, it talks about falling on the ground and throwing crowns at the feet of Jesus. The, the, and they were the elders, the 24 elders. And so they were in position, but they didn't mind humbling themselves. Hallelujah. Right? And they sang, and they had, had, had a specific song that was brought back from that interaction that John had of heaven. He brought back this song, and so we know in advance. We can practice the song. This is the song of the redeemed, right? Verse 9, they sung a new song saying, you are worthy to take the book. You are worthy. You are worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof for, because you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Hallelujah. So the blood is my redemption. The blood is the purchase point. The blood is the cost. It cost him his life by the pouring out of his blood because the life is in the blood. When the blood's poured out, the life is poured out. His life for our life. You have redeemed us to God by your blood. Do you see why the blood needs to have a constant area of honor in our life. And then verse 10, and you have made us unto our God kings and priests. So the, the activity of the blood isn't through until you're walking in your dominion and the anointing. So the king represents the dominion and the authority that you are to operate in under God's authority, being a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ and whatever you do, do it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You are to represent Jesus as a, a, a person of authority, stopping things that don't need to continue in your neighborhood or in your area or of jurisdiction, right? But then also kings and priests, you're anointed to approach God. You're anointed to serve God. You're anointed to to enter into his presence and receive of his, his life. So because you have access, access him. Because you have entrance, go in. He says, because we have boldness to enter, let's draw near. Right? Why would you need to say that? If, if you've got the entrance, what you doing on the outside? Go in. Go in and become skilled in his presence. Become, become uh, stronger in your relationship with him. 
be, learn his way of communicating with you. Amen? So how do we do that? The confidence comes by the blood. The more I trust in what the blood has done for me, the less condemnation can work on me, right? The more confidence I have in the blood, the more I focus on what the blood has done, the less I'm looking at where I've missed it. Because I look and say, that's under the blood, that's covered, that's cleansed. It's no longer, he removed it far from me. Hallelujah. When When we talk about this entrance, now the next one is in chapter seven and verse 14. When we talk about this entrance into his presence, we're talking about uh, our relationship with the Father. We're talking about going to God and getting prayers answered. We're talking about getting help from him, never feeling like you're desperate. When you know that you have access to God, you will never have another desperate day. You'll never have another question of what am I going to do about this? I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to go talk to God. He's going to tell me he's my father and he'll tell me what to do. He will not leave me. He will never forsake me. He will not leave me in this situation. He will not leave, abandon me. No, 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 never, never, never will he abandon me. So I, I got to go to him. And if I go to him, he's going to give me an answer. He's going to help me. Amen. So Revelation chapter seven, verse 14. And I said unto him, sir, you know, and he said to me, these are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. And that's talking about sinless. It's talking about uh, all spot or, or uh, area of um, uh, error being washed away. How do we do that? How do we, how do we wash our robes? Talking about our lives, talking about our, our attitudes, our activities. How do we make them white in the blood of the lamb? Hallelujah. By this interaction with the blood, by having faith in the blood, feeding on scriptures about the blood, worshiping God for the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. And I'll tell you what's helped me. And if you've read my testimony, it's a major part of, the, of my testimony because um, if I had not had this established in me, I would have yielded to that condemnation that every time I would try to step into a place and really need to get help from God, that condemnation talked me out of it. And it wasn't the fact that I wasn't righteous because I was. But I laid down my righteousness because I believed a lie. And I yielded to, yeah, this is happening to me because I'm reaping what I sowed. Listen, the blood of Jesus cut me off from all my harvest of my sin. I don't have to harvest the sin of my past. Hallelujah. The blood of Jesus cut that off out of my life. It canceled out that harvest. That harvest not being sent to my address. I've been washed I've been cleansed. And so knowing this, learning about the blood helped me in my relationship with God to the point that I, I could get in his presence and get the answers that I needed from him. Before that, there was always this, this, this wall. This, there was always this, this standoffish, and it wasn't God. It wasn't God giving the brick wall. It wasn't God with the standoff feeling. It was me because I felt 
the shame, not the guilt. I knew I wasn't guilty. I knew Jesus' death on the cross paid for my guilt, but I still felt the shame, and I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to. I didn't know that I should have dealt with the shame. I thought, well, you know, it's just a natural part of life. Those were things that I did. Those were mistakes that I made. Those were areas that I failed. And so the shame of it would hinder me interacting with God, hinder me in my prayer life until I learned about the blood. Now let's talk about some of the things that the blood does. And I want to look at Exodus 12 and we're gonna receive communion today. And when we do, you're gonna have a faith to access a provision, a spiritual provision, because this blood is for you. Exodus chapter 12 When we talk about the blood, we know there was a reference, a reference to the shedding of blood in the garden because God had to take the life of animals to cover Adam and Eve. So there was bloodshed. It doesn't give a direct reference, but it gives an indication of it. But then we see that God talked to Cain and Abel. And he, he's talking to them. I mean, it wasn't something that, that they had to, daddy told me. God talked to them. And he, he spoke specifically to Cain and said, Cain, why are you angry? What, it was about the offering because his brother Abel had brought an offering to God of the lamb, his first of the flock. He was honoring God and he offered that lamb. And so there was the shedding of blood. And God said, if you, do, if you would do well, then you would be accepted too. So God was telling him, if you would do what you know you should have done, right? If you would do it, what you should do. Now, how did Abel offer this more excellent sacrifice? Hebrews 11 tells us, right? How did he do it? By, by faith. Yeah. By faith, Abel offered. How does faith come? So God told him, right? So by faith, Abel offered this sacrifice by doing what God said, by believing what God said, by being a believer and a doer of what God said. He offered this sacrifice of blood to God. He offered it because God was letting them know this is the only thing that can cover your sin so you can interact with me. There's no other approach for you to come to me unless I cover you with this blood. And so Cain didn't do it. Cain murdered his brother and God said, I hear his blood crying out from the ground. And so with this, we see that God instructed them how to come to him. He told them, this is how you enter into my presence. This is how you interact with me by the blood, right? And then we see Noah. How many many animals does everybody say Noah took on the ark? He took two by two, right? Two of each animal. But the Bible says he took more of the animals that were for offerings, right? So he's, he's prepared his offering for when they come off. It's like, we're coming off here. We're going in, but we're going to come back out. 
We're going to be safe, but when we come back out, I'm going to be prepared. So he not only took the two of every animal, but he also took the specific, specific number of animals for the sacrifice. And the very first thing that he did when dry land appeared enough for him to come off the ark, the very first thing that he did was offer to God a blood sacrifice, to, to that interaction with God. And, and so the, the earth, uh, he, he comes off of the ark and the very first thing was a sacrifice. God used his covenant with Abraham. And he said, will you give me your son? And Abraham carried Isaac up. I say carried. Isaac was old enough to walk and help him carry the supplies and ask him, where's the, where's the lamb for the sacrifice? So Isaac was old enough to help his father and to know what needed to be in that sacrifice. He knew there needs to be a blood sacrifice. Where's the lamb? And he said, God himself will provide. God will provide himself a lamb. And so he is willing to offer his son. And God didn't want the life of Isaac. He just wanted Abraham's obedience. He just, because if he has a covenant partner who will obey him, he'll do the rest. He didn't want you to pay for it. He just wants you to believe for it. He didn't want you to make it happen. He just wants you to believe that he can make it happen. Do you see what I'm saying? There's so much in our relationship with God. All he wants from us is our faith about it. Just trust him. Believe him. Put your reliance on him. He'll do it. Would trust in me. And so he said, because you have believed me, because of your obedience... He provided a ram with its head caught in a thicket. And so the provision was there in the plan. He provided that, that lamb and that, that ram. And, and so he didn't want Isaac's life, but he wanted Abraham to be willing to offer Isaac's life because at that point, God had legal access to give his son. He had a covenant partner who gave him his son and God did not require that he complete, but that he would be willing to complete it. And when he saw that willingness, he stopped him and he said, because of your obedience. And then the blood of Jesus was by covenant right legal for God to send his son and raise him from the dead because it says Abraham believed that if God had to raise Isaac from the dead, he would. He said, well, I'm coming down from this mountain with my son he, because God said, in him will all the nations of the earth. In, in Isaac. So Isaac's got, keep, come, got to come down with me, right? So that faith, in God, allowed God access to legally give his son. But do you see what God's working on? He's working on getting his son's blood into the earth, the the blood that is uh, appropriate to cleanse us, the blood that is, uh, that has the, the correct ingredients to fix the problem. The other blood couldn't fix it. 
It, could, it, it never made the worshipers appear that they had a relationship, a confident relationship with God. They had to come back every year. It never made them perfect, Hebrews says. The, the worshipers never had that, that complete relationship with God. They were at a standoff from him until the blood of Jesus. So here in Exodus, we see another area of how the blood provided for God's people. Exodus chapter 12, and this is what Jesus was was celebrating when he had the last supper with his disciples. It was a it was a tradition you could say or a, a something that they regularly celebrated. It wasn't a vain tradition. It wasn't something that they just did out of habit, but they did this because God instructed them to remember. He instructed them to remember how he brought them out. And it says that there was a lamb for the sacrifice. Here in Exodus, he says, verse three, speak to all the congregation of Israel saying, in the 10th day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. So every father, you could say, every, every head of the household had to acquire a lamb for his house. And when John the Baptist in John chapter one, verse 29, stood up and made the statement, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he was declaring God the Father has provided a lamb for his house. He has brought a supply to bring the the necessary cleansing into our life. This isn't the lamb like the Old Testament lambs. This is the lamb of God who takes away sin. They'd never heard of a lamb that could take away sin. They'd been practicing the, the Passover for decades and hundreds of years. And now all of a sudden, John, by the power of the Holy Spirit with the anointing of God to utter from, from, the, from the, heavenly, the heavenly broadcast system. There's a lamb who's going to take the sin away. A lamb who can take the sin away. So that sin will no longer have dominion over you. You will no longer be a sinner because this lamb takes sin away. This lamb will purge your conscience so that you can serve God. This lamb will wash your life so clean that you can enter into the throne room of God in his presence just as clean and just as holy. This lamb will provide the blood necessary for you to have a relationship with God that cannot be stopped because of the things of your past. It cannot be stopped because of any error you might make in the future. If you you just learn how to fellowship with the blood. You will always have fellowship with the Father. The blood of the Lamb of God is different than the blood of the lambs of the bulls and goats under the first covenant. The blood of the Lamb of God has the life of God. The life is in the blood. And the blood of Jesus had the DNA of of God the Father. God the Father. 
God is Jesus' father. He was in an earthly body, legally by birth, but it was the word that was made flesh. There was no interaction with the blood that was tainted from Adam's bloodline. The blood of God is in Jesus and that blood washes us. It's the life of God in the blood of Jesus. It's the life of God in the blood of Jesus. It's the life of God. The life is in the blood. So when you fellowship with the blood, when you worship the blood, when you apply the blood over your family, when you pl- listen, when you apply the blood of Jesus over your children and over your grandchildren, you're not just, you're not just speaking vain words into the air. You are releasing the power of the life of God to protect them and to keep them and to guard them. You are establishing a line that causes a delineation that says, this is where you stop. I'm, listen, here. Here, devil, I'm drawing the line in the sand. You stop here. Stop and back off. Why? Not in, I, I'm coming in the name of Jesus and, and applying his blood. And here we see how that blood worked to protect against judgment. Judgment came on Egypt. Judgment came, and how did God prepare them to not be subject to the judgment that came on the land. They had, to, they had to interact with the lamb. He said, here's the lamb. You take the lamb, verse five. He says, your lamb shall be your lamb. Now it's gone, listen, verse three. He said, every man take a lamb. Did you see that? A lamb. And verse four, it says, if the household be too little for the lamb... Then it became a little more specific. It went from a lamb to the lamb. But now in verse five, this is your lamb. This, this is personal to you. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it from a, the sheep or from the goats and you shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood. Who takes the blood? We do. Take the blood. They had to personally take the blood. Now, if they said, you know what? If God's going to keep us, he's going to keep us. If God's going to do it, he's just going to do it. If God's going to heal me, he's just going to heal me. If, if God's going to save him, he's just going to save him. That's not, why, that's not his instruction. He said, take the blood. Take the blood. Because this is, this is an area I want, I want you to, to prepare the covering did Noah have to build the ark or, or did Noah just say this? God wants to save us. He's going to make an ark for us. He'll make an ark for me, right? God will make a way. Or he might make a way by giving you a hammer and telling you how to build an ark. He might make a way by giving you a lamb and telling you what to do with the blood. So if you don't, do, if you don't build the ark and if you don't put the blood on the doorpost, then... then you see, God's, God's, his, his deliverance is available, but there's a, the faith. See, when I have faith, I'll apply it. Yes. Noah, by faith, built that ark. Yeah. Why, he believed what God said. Yeah. God said, I, I believe that. Yeah. 
So you know what we're doing this morning? I'm working on a building, working on a building. What are you doing? Was it like a hundred years he built that ark every day? And do you think people said, we don't know what rain is. What you talking about rain? Rain? What are you building an ark on the dry ground? There's no water around here. You got a big boat in the middle of this dry ground. Working on a building. I'm working on a building. I'm not just singing that, y'all. That's what God keeps dealing with. We're working on something. That's something he stirs me with. I'm working on a building. Working on a building for my Lord. So he says, they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door post of the houses wherein they shall eat it. They, they take it and they strike it on the side post of the door. Now they used like a hyssop branches, which were kind of like a, a, like a paintbrush, I guess, but longer and thinner, right? And so they're, they're taking the blood and they're, they're putting it on. But we use our faith and our tongue. We use our heart and our mouth to take the blood and apply it over our lives, apply it over our children, apply it over our grandchildren. Father, I apply the blood of Jesus over my my children today. I apply the blood of Jesus over as they go in that school. That school's a blood-covered school. I plead the blood over that school. I plead the blood over, over, you know, the cars that that, I'm, I'm applying the blood. Why? Because... He, he says that blood has a protective power. So we've seen that the blood cleanses, washes, white as snow. The blood can purge our conscience. We've seen that the blood can make us holy, sanctify us, that the blood... So do you see this, this activity with the blood, this interaction? I need to be honorable about all that the blood is doing in me. Exodus, it goes on to say... In verse 13, let's begin in 12. I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. So judgment, he said, against all the gods of Egypt. Did they, the, the Nile, they worshipped it. The sun, they worshipped it. All of the plagues, were, were, were connected to idols that they worshipped. And he said, so the judgment is coming against, the God, against them and the gods of Egypt. So the judgment was coming, but God didn't want his people under that judgment, so he provided the blood. He provided the blood. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. A token would also be a sign or a signal. That it will be to you for a signal. So this is why we need faith in the blood so that we can apply the blood over our lives because that we need that signal. My life is free from that judgment. I might be in a county that has made this legal, but it's not that judgment of that's not coming on my house. The financial system might be experiencing judgment for, for wrongdoings and for things that they are, are funding, but that judgment's not coming on my finances. Hallelujah. 
It will be a sign, a token upon the house, upon your life. And when I see the blood, so is he looking for it? When I see the blood, so God can see the blood that we're applying. He can see that, that application of our faith speaking the blood of Jesus over our lives. He said, when I see the blood, I will pass over and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is for us too. This is for us. Because of the blood, the judgment's not coming on me. I don't have to suffer the same things that the world suffers. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray for them to get to know Jesus like I know Jesus so they can have the blood that protects me, <laughs> so that they can have the blood that helps me, so they can have the blood to help them enter into the presence of God and get the answers they need. But I'm not, I'm not subject to the things that are happening around me. A thousand may fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand. Do we believe that? Do we believe that? Or are we, listen, that's faith in the blood. That's faith in the keeping power of God. God's going to keep me. Why is he going to keep me? Because I'm washed. I'm washed. I'm, I'm in the righteous. I'm in the righteous family. I'm, I'm in the righteous group. How? By the blood. The blood made me righteous. So the righteous shall flourish. And in the house of the righteous, there's much oil to be desired. There's much treasure to be desired and oil in the house of the righteous. The righteous shall flourish as a branch. Every time I see the righteous, I'm so convinced that the blood made me righteous. Every time I see one of those scriptures that talks about what happens for the righteous, I get excited because it's, it's me. That's you. Why? Because of the blood. Because of our faith in the blood, I believe that the blood has washed me and the blood has made me righteous. The blood has justified me. The blood gives me access to God. The blood gives me this new and the living way. I can boldly come into the presence of God. Not, that doesn't mean audacious. That doesn't mean arrogant. That means confident. I am your child. Yeah. I don't have to come in. I don't have to come in moaning and groaning, Lord, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm just such a miserable mess, I'm just so sorry, I failed you here and I failed you there. No, I've already dealt with all that, all those failings, all those things, I, I just get quick about the blood. If I mess up, just, oh, I plead the blood right now, Lord, forgive me for that. So I don't even have to have a conversation about, I'm so miserable, I can just come boldly into his presence saying, Lord, thank you for the blood that has washed me and given me access to come to you right now because I need your wisdom on this situation. I need you to move in this situation. And you said that when the righteous cry, you hear <laughs> and you will deliver that the hand of the Lord is not shortened that the hand of the Lord is able to reach me in my situation. So I thank you, Lord, that you're reaching into my situation, that you're bringing a change. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The blood. He said, he said, the plague shall not be upon you. The plague shall not be upon you. The curse will not be upon you. Why? Your blood washed, you're redeemed from it.